world's on fire, our culture is disintegrating. Hey, pass the salt. It's time. It's time. Hey, you, pass the salt. You know what, why it's disintegrating? Because we're jellyfish. <laughs> pass the salt, will you? Pass the salt. Pass the salt, amigo. It's time. It's time. I think they could give us a new name. I believe we are Evan Jellyfish. Hey, will you pass the salt? Pass the salt. We need salt over here. It's time for Pass the Salt. Pass but we like to share the gospel without any backbone to it, see? The views, opinions, and seemingly outrageous comments expressed in this program are based on the Holy Spirit leading of a man called Coach. i got to ask you this out there, Christian America. It's time for Pass the Salt with a coach, Dave Daubenmeyer. Hey, I wish I could tell you I'm in a good mood, but I'm not. My motor won't, my motor won't work. Kept me up all night trying to figure out how you know you guys know me, I don't fix anything, right? I don't oh. fix anything. But I, I'm gonna fake it. I'm I'm gonna stand in the pulpit here this morning and act like I love Jesus, even though my motor won't run. And people say if if uh, God's real, then why does he let people go to hell? I say, well, if God's real, why does he make my mower break? That, that's that's a better question than he lets my mower break. Hey, by the way, Tim Tubra tonight. Tim, are you out there real quickly, Tim? What time are you doing that teaching tonight, Tim? Because he's uh, five, five o'clock uh, Western, eight o'clock Eastern. So Tim sent out a notification to people to join him tonight, and he didn't get back much of a response, but he's still going to do it. Say that again, Tim. And Tim, then how do they get on the list? Well, I tried to do a Google Meet now. I'm going to give you my email. I'll put it in here in the chat. Copy and send me a... Uh, Link say hey, I want to join and I'll send it to you. Okay, so he's going to put it in the chat. What are you What are you doing tonight, Tim? Romans. We're going to do Romans. the introductory again. Romans in Rome, do as the Romans do. Beware the Ides of March, right? Et tu, brute. Yep. Those were all Romans, weren't they? Chapter one, you'll never be the same. Yep. Okay, Tim. So he's doing it at, at uh, eight o'clock tonight, Eastern time. Tim, I'm going to try to make a note to myself. I may wander. My way into there. John Brockoff, our dear buddy John Brockoff, was transferred to a a real hospital. He got out of the VA and they transferred him to a real hospital yesterday. And uh, he was passing blood. wasn't They couldn't figure out why. And the last I uh, spoke to John yesterday, they've got him somewhat stabilized. He isn't passing any more blood, but he's still in a hospital somewhere out in wherever. And God bless OJ East. Where they uh, they call him Uncle OJ. John calls. Uh, OJ, Uncle OJ, and Uncle OJ has been taking care of John and all that. So let's be praying for uh, John Brockoff that he'd be all right. All right, folks, a lot going on, man. Like, hey, the devil's real, devil fights. Uh, as we know, a lot of the things that happen to us are not from the devil. It's just kind of we're doing it to ourselves, our lifestyle, stuff they're putting in our food and and uh, all that. So I'm going to take a deep breath and going to try to gather myself. I've got a couple couple guests on here today, and I want to be on my best behavior. If you didn't see our Brideon show yesterday, throw that up on the screen real quick if you can, uh, Spence. Is it Spencer? Yeah, it's Spencer this morning. I did a Brideon show yesterday with Sheila. Uh, that's not it. There, where, is, where is it? Where I sent you the link. It's supposed to be posted on our website. It's not there yet. There, Folks, this is really, it was really, really good. It was really good. And I just suggest that you guys go back and uh, make yourself familiar with this. Because Sheila is, as I said yesterday, she's not a prophet. Like everybody everybody wants to be a prophet now. Everybody's got a word for what's going on. 
Sheila simply goes back in history and tells us what, what they did to us back in 1860 and say, look where we are here now. Here's why. And it was really, really, if I'm tuning my own horn, it's okay. because It's really, really good. Put that in the chat and give people an opportunity to go do that. I need to do some more stuff with, with Sheila. A uh, lot going on. A lot going on. We got a brave, got a couple of brave folks with me today. And uh, JR is in here today. I'm glad JR is in here. Uh, Mike, if you hang on there just a second. And Laura, same thing I always say. Um, if we don't, friends, if we don't get on the same team and in the same huddle, we ain't never going to win. And there are certain battles that can only be won by the church. We'll say that again. Go into all the world and teach them to observe all I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. At what point in American history did that become a non, non-starter, that we were to go into all the world? We talked yesterday, if you watched the show yesterday, we talked about not only our, uh, our uh, duty, but our obligation to go into all the world and do it, and that we have no excuse, that we have to go speak truth to power, and we look at what's going on. My wife just, my beautiful wife just said to me, and she is beautiful. I hear like I say that, no, it's not beautiful. Mine's really beautiful. And uh, I, I heard her, she said to me as I, as I came, came down the steps, why, why are things so dis, dis, and disarranged? Just everywhere you look, everywhere you look, the devil's running rampant and the church isn't. Mike and Laura, this is what we do this every day in here, okay? Every day, every day. Because I believe that we have the worst Christian leadership in the history of America. It tells us in Book of Jude that evil men have crept in unaware and they change the truth of God into a lie and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator. And we look at it and we don't even recognize, don't even recognize Christianity and what it even is. And the idea that there's a seven, I said this to somebody the other day. Hang on, Mike, I'm on a rant. Just bear with me here a second. I got to get this out of here. This idea that there's a separation between the church and state. Well, if there's a separation between the church and the state, then why is the is this is the state so involved in things going on in the church? If there's a separation between the church and the state, why does the state want money from Christians? If there's a separation between the two, if there's a separation between the church and the state, then how can the state tell the church to close? If there's a separation between the church and the state, why is the church opening its doors to give people vaccines? I could go on and on and on and on, but I won't. I won't. So my friend Jessica got a hold of me. Uh, throw up her website down at the bottom. It says OhioFamilyFellowship.com. And I want to introduce Jessica to, J- to J.R. Harrison because they're doing the exact same thing. Jessica Francis has the Ohio Family Fellowship, which is exactly what J.R. is really doing. J.R. has the uh, – uh, J.R., my brain went dead here. The Natural Family Foundation. And again, folks, all of us in silos doing our own thing. That's why why we, I'm not not criticizing Jessica and I'm not criticizing JR. They have great ideas. Maybe the Lord spoke on them to get started. They both do the same thing. And here we got two two groups here in both in Columbus, Ohio. Really, they they don't even know each other. Why is that? Because we never get in the huddle. Well, that's what Mike Spencer's all about. Laura Kern. They're about huddles, right? So I'm gonna I'm gonna shut up here for a minute. My wife just sent me. My wife, my wife sent me a text. I better I better read this in here in a second. Um, Mike Spencer used to be a pastor. I'll let him tell that story. And he's not a pastor anymore. He's uh, throw his website up there if you could for me. I didn't number him real good today. Yeah, I could. To, uh, Pro Life Voice. Throw that up there for us down there, Johnny. 
This Mike Spencer is one. Uh, uh, he's a pro-life speaker, but he's doing more than that, folks. We have an initiative here in the state of Ohio. You say, I'm not from Ohio. No, but it's coming to your state, all right? They're having an initiative here in Ohio where they're going to try to legalize abortion, maybe <coughs> murder. going to try, try to legalize it because the church is off hiding. Mike Spencer, who used to be a pastor, who left the pastor to do basically pro-life ministry, wrote a book, Humanly Speaking. Mike Spencer is about waking up pastors. Give me a hand, round of applause on that one, by the way. Waking up pastors. And specifically, they have an event coming up on, on the uh, 20, where is it? 20, the 30th of June in Tip City, Ohio. So I've invited Mike Spencer and his associate, Laura Kern, who is, Laura is togetherforlifeohio.org. Is that you? So that That's up. correct. Huh? So here, look, we got a couple of them huddling together, huddling together. Let's find out exactly what's going on. So, Mike, I just stole nine minutes there. Uh, doors open. What the heck's going on, dude? Well, um, first of all, way, Mike, folks, I'm sorry. His free, he's freezing up for some reason. I don't know what's going on. So we can hear him, but his uh, his video may go on in and out. I'm sorry, Mike. Go ahead. Well, I think the fact that your viewers can't see me might be a blessing, but uh, it is good to be with you, uh, Coach Dave. Thank you for having us on today. Um, I'll, I'll let Laura speak a little bit to um, the crisis at hand here with respect to uh, the effort from the abortion lobby to uh, codify abortion into law. But just to, just to respond to your um, introduction about me, yes, I am a pastor, or I guess I was a pastor. I, I have not pastored now for 12 years. I um, I served for 23 years in pastoral roles, but about 12 years ago, I stepped away um, to do full-time pro-life work. And I, I as you said, I, um, I do a lot of pro-life speaking and training and church settings and banquet settings and a lot of uh, pastors' luncheons and breakfasts and so forth. And so, um, but Laura and I have teamed up to start this um, effort that we are calling Together for Life Ohio um, to really spend the next several months here leading up till November um, to equip and to mobilize pastors to train their flocks and to warn their flocks of this very radical anti, um, uh, anti, um, uh, family, uh, and anti baby, uh, initiative, um, that the other side. So maybe Laura, maybe hey, wait, 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 Mike, Mark, come Mike. We're not supposed to mix the secular with the sacred. Are we? Huh? We're not supposed to stand in the pulpit and mix religion and politics, Mike. Certainly, we wouldn't do that. Would that would be? Oh, that would be poisoning the word of God, wouldn't it, Pastor Mike? Well, yeah. I, you know, the, the the truth of the matter is, is that we often hear in churches uh, from church leaders and other Christians that um, speaking out against abortion is a political issue, and therefore it's off limits um, for the church. And my quick response to that, David is that it is true that abortion is a political issue, but it is really much more accurately described as a moral spiritual issue that has been politicized. And when you think about it, every moral issue is eventually politicized. It wasn't too many years ago that we saw the redefining of marriage and how politicized that was. So just because a moral issue, like killing unborn children in their mother's wombs, has been politicized, cannot render it off limits for the church. So, Mike, Mike, I interrupt for a living. So, in other words, rather (laughs) than knowing they couldn't fight on the moral issue, they decided they would make it a political issue. 
Same thing with sodomy. They couldn't win on the moral issue. So they made it a political issue, a human rights issue. And we, the church, the body of Christ, we let them get away with defending the morality of what they do. That's our problem. Well, I think there's a lot of truth in that. You know, um, I like what Dutch theologian Abraham Kuyper said. And that is, he said that he said, there's not one square inch of the entire domain of existence to which Christ does not point to it and say, that is mine. Amen. You know, Christ is Lord of all. He's he's Lord of uh, my role as a husband. He's Lord of my role as a father. He's Lord of my money. He's Lord of my sexuality. And he is Lord of my vote. And when we vote, when Christians vote, we're not free to just vote for our little pet interests. We we have to submit our vote to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And it's unfortunate Amen. that in the church... Um, a lot of churches have not done a good job um, of training their people in how to vote. You know, we teach our congregations how to behave sexually, how to manage their money, how to raise their children, and so on and so forth. But for some reason, we bought this lie, which, as you have pointed out, is really just intended to silence the church, that we um, that politics and, and, and Christianity must never mix. The truth is, is that we should be training our congregations to think biblically uh, as they go into that voting booth. Because some moral issues, such as abortion, the dismemberment, the decapitation, the disemboweling of little boys and girls, should rise to the top. We're not single-issue voters. We care deeply about many issues. Thoughtful, mature Christians care deeply about many issues. But we do recognize that certain issues should rise to the surface um, when it comes to voting. I heard it said years ago, I don't remember who said this, but I think it's, it's very apropos, but if you show me where a candidate stands on abortion, I will show you where they stand on a whole host of other issues. So, yeah, I, I agree, Dave. We should be so, so Mike, right that we I'm impact. Sorry. I'm sorry, Mike. Ignorance, apathy, or fear. What is it with the pastors? What is it with them? Hey, co- hey listen, I, I don't give those guys any slack. I'm just sorry. I just don't give them any slack. Mm-hmm. It's either ignorance, apathy, or fear. What do you What do you see most that Mike that you run into? Well, I think all three of those. Um, I'm I'm not sure. I, I'm inclined to think maybe apathy, but I would just say this. I'm I am uh, like you. I'm very discouraged um, with the church in America uh, speaking up for the unborn. But I will say this: Laura and I have been traveling throughout the state over the last several months, um, speaking in pastors' luncheons, pastors' breakfasts, even in homes where pastors have gathered. And I will tell you, there are. Um, a group of shepherds out there. It is, admitted, it is admittedly a small percentage, but there are shepherds out there who care deeply about God's word and about God's people who are, are not afraid, who do not shrink back, um, who are willing to, to, to speak boldly and, con- and redemptively to the issue of abortion. But I think to answer your question more directly, I, I'm not sure which one of those, fear, ignorance, or apathy, but you're right. Those really are the those are really the issues that have really um, caused the church to sort of self-censor on the subject of abortion. Do you, is, can I take a minute and just unpack those yes, three for please you? Do. Please do, yes. Your audience. Well, uh, you know, I think a lot of shepherds fear that if they speak out on abortion, that they are going to divide their flock or they're going to heap more um, pain, inflict more injury on those who've had abortions, or maybe they fear losing their tax exemption. Um, but, so there are a lot, a lot of fears that, that shepherds have. None of those are legitimate. Um, they may be understandable on some level, but none of those are legitimate excuses for the church to go silent. Uh, and then um, ignorance. Uh, I'm not sure there's a great deal of ignorance, meaning 
uh, I think most shepherds know what abortion does to little girls and boys. I, I'm sure there are some who maybe are ignorant um, uh, to the impact that it's having on their local church. Um, maybe that maybe there's some ignorance there because, frankly, the silence of the shepherd has resulted in the silence of many who are post-abortive. They feel they can't speak about um, their sin and maybe their churches. So, But I'm not sure ignorance is really the big one. I, I do think apathy, though, that you touched on is another big paralyzer in the pulpit. I, I You know, we don't like to think this way, but in every career field, you have people who really um, frankly, don't do their jobs very well. Let's face it, we have some attorneys who don't care about their clients. We have some doctors who don't care about their patients. And unfortunately, um, in the church, there are some who don't care about the flock. In fact, um, Jesus called them hirelings in John chapter 10. He said they run from the flock when the wolf attacks. And so I think all three of those are reasons the church has gone silent. Added to that, and I'll, I'll, I'll turn this over back over to you here, Dave. Added to that, I think, is the fact that many of our, most of our seminaries and Bible colleges are not training our young men, our young shepherds to be, yeah. uh, to speak out on this issue. I went to a very conservative Bible college that I think was a relatively good school, and I'm grateful for the education I got there. But I was taught by my, my, by my, by my pastoral ministry advisor to stay away from the abortion issue, that it was nothing but trouble. Now, that's a horrible thing to train wow. budding pastors. But, so I think there's a lot of reasons for the silence of the church. Amen, Mike, and uh, well said. Uh, Mike's one of the good guys, folks. I can tell that already. I I've spoke to Mike a couple of times, but not, not in depth. I can tell he's one of the good guys. And, and Mike, and I'll, I'll get you in a second, Laura. Look, here, here's my, my folks. Look, they're trying, Mike and Laura are trying to gather pastors together. So, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to temper what I say here because I don't want to tick them off anymore. If we cannot get the pastors to do the work of the ministry, the real work of the, dare I say it, the dirty work of, of Christianity out in the culture, we, we, uh, we're not going to have any hope in, uh, in the future of the United States of America. It's the black-robed regiment that's done it. So Mike's a good guy. He's out singing this song to pastors. And one of the reasons I'm having him on is because they're going to have a pastor's event. He's doing it all the time, but they're going to have a pastor's event in Tip City, which is down by Dayton, Ohio, coming up here. And we'll get to that in here in a second. Let me bring Laura in. And Laura, um, how the heck did you get involved in this? And what are you all about, Laura? Well, um, I'm actually a stay-at-home mom. I have five little kids, ages eight to two years old. So I'm a very busy lady. Um, But I um, have always had a heart for this issue. Um, Professionally, I've worked with the Susan B. Anthony List, a pro-life political action committee located in Washington, D.C. And then I've had the privilege to serve on the board of directors for Indiana Right to Life. So um, I stepped away from Right to Life work when my husband David and I settled in the Cincinnati area and started our family. But when I heard about um, this pro-abortion ballot initiative, this proposed pro-abortion constitutional amendment that is headed to Ohio that will be voted on in November, um, I knew that I had to get involved. And I looked around and I thought, well, my people are all little people. And of course, I will raise them. I will train them uh, along with my husband up to love um, the Lord, but they can't vote Um, So I need to talk with my pastor. I need to tell him what's happening in Ohio right now. And I need him 
to help my brothers and sisters in Christ understand the gravity of the situation in Ohio and understand how to respond as a Christ follower. So I called um, Pastor Mike. Uh, He used to be my uh, pastor up in uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana, years and years ago. And I said, Pastor Mike, you know, here's what's happening. How can I talk to my pastor about this? And we put our heads together and um, he was gracious enough to drive down um, all the way up from northern Ohio down to southern Ohio. And um, together we presented the pastors with um, the reality of what Ohio is facing right now and how they can respond as shepherds. And it really, it, it, Coach, it's, it's such a big challenge here in Ohio. If I can just take a minute to explain what's going on. Um, so praise God, uh, Roe has been overturned. June is now life month, thanks to the Dobbs decision. Um, and that's wonderful. But really what the Dobbs decision did is it returned the issue back to the state level. It did not change the hearts and minds of our people, of of our culture. And that's really the role of the church. So now um, these pro-abortion coalitions, they've adopted a new strategy, and that's state constitutional amendments. So um, we've got two pro-abortion coalitions in the state of Ohio, Protect Choice Ohio and Ohioans for Reproductive Freedom. And they've been working on this ballot initiative. Uh, to place a constitutional amendment on the ballot this November. And what this proposed constitutional amendment does is it gives every individual the right to make his uh, or her own reproductive decisions. So that's any medical decision that has to do with their reproductive organs. And Let me stop stop you a second, Laura. Even though this is in Ohio, this is the cutting edge of what's going to appear in every other state in America. Right. Yes. So people mm. out there saying, "Well, I'm not in Ohio." Yes, it does have something coming to a st- city near yes. you. Go ahead, Laura. Yes, this is the new tactic. So, um, three states already um, have um, adopted pro-abortion constitutional amendments of their own, including our neighbor uh, Michigan in the North through Proposition Three, and then um, three pro-life or typically conservative states: Kansas, Montana, and Kentucky. They all tried to pass. Um, you know, pro-life constitutional amendments in essence, and all three of those pro-life amendments failed. So this really is the battleground. Um, Ohio right now for this election cycle in November, we're the only state that has um, a pro-abortion constitutional amendment on the docket now. So all eyes are on Ohio. Um, Both sides are taking notes. But we know that as many as 11 other states are considering pro-abortion constitutional amendments of their own. Um, I think most recently, Florida announced um, that their pro-abortion coalitions are going to be working on something for 2024. And we know, you know, more and more um, they're going to be announcing this. Folks, do you understand? Sorry, Laura. Folks, do you understand the devil's team plays together? Do you understand that? You understand that the devil's team is unified in their desire for bloodlust of innocent unborn children. And we know this, lies, deception, and fears, how the devil operates. And my wife happened to run into somebody just, I don't know, a week ago. If she, I could yell at her. She'd get on here. Uh, who was passing a petition to put uh, abortion on the ballot. But they're not selling it that way, folks. That's not the way they're selling it. They're selling it as protecting women and all these lies, all this phony stuff out there. And of course, idiots are signing the petition because who doesn't want to protect women's rights, right? And and uh, that's why I know that Laura and Mike 
are going around trying to at least awaken pastors to exactly what's going on. Did I hit that right, Laura? Yeah, absolutely. You're you're right. You know, these our our opponents are totally united, and it's it's not just um, you know this this pro abortion coalition. It's really this um, radical trans agenda. So the the actual text of the amendment states that every individual has the right to make decisions, medical decisions having to do with their own reproductive organs. And it's not limited to just abortion. This opens the door wide for every individual, regardless of age, making, um, having the ability to make uh, life altering decisions having to do with their reproductive organs. And of course, what's the hot button issue of today? It's gender dysphoric minors obtaining these irreversible life-altering surgeries, um, hormone therapies, you know, um, it's, and, and those are not, you know, just our words. Don't take it from us. Planned Parenthood and the ACLU, who are both members of um, Protect Choice Ohio and Ohioans for Reproductive Freedom, they're both members of those coalitions. Um, you know, they're responsible for the pro-abortion uh, amendment in Michigan, and they're bringing it here to Ohio. They both have publicly declared that the fight for abortion access and access to quote unquote gender affirming care, that those uh, two issues are inextricably linked. And of course, as Christians, we know naturally that they are linked because they're both an attack on the Imago Dei, that we are created in God's image, that our only hope in life and death is not that we belong to ourselves, but that we belong to Christ Jesus. Folks, this is a spiritual issue, not a political issue. Amen. I'm going to grab the pastors and shake them. This is a spiritual issue. See to the serpent, see to the woman. Want to destroy those created in the image of God. Wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. So, Pastor Mike, hang on, Laura. Let me slide back down here. So, what's going on, Mike? What do you have going on in Tip City here on the the 30th? What, what What are you trying to do? And more importantly, Mike and Laura, what can this cadre of God-fearing, stand-up for righteousness people in this huddle, what can they do to help you? I'll take the first part of that question and let Laura respond to the second the second part there with respect to what they can do. But what we're doing in Tip City is what we did last night in Cincinnati, what we're going to do tonight in Columbus, and what we have been doing throughout the state. Um, we have several of these coming up on the calendar. But what we'll do in Tip City is we will... Um, really two things. Um, Laura will speak uh, directly to the ballot initiative, um, what it actually says and what it will actually result in if it passes in November. She'll also talk about the um, uh, the initiative to raise the threshold um, in August uh, from 50% plus one vote in order to change um, our uh, state constitution. Uh, there's an effort to to raise that threshold to 60%, which it should be regardless of this this issue, the issue of abortion. No state constitution should be so easily uh, changed, especially when we have outside influencers coming in and pouring millions of dollars into the state. So, so Laura's going to um, uh, help the shepherds and those that are gathered in Tip City on the 30th. I think it's at the 30th or the 29th, I believe it's the 30th. Uh, she will equip them um, uh, to understand really what this what this ballot initiative intends to do, and what it will do if indeed it passes. Um, what I will do, uh, Dave, is I'm going to um, walk the pastors through 
four biblical duties of the shepherd in an abortion infatuated culture like ours. These are four, four duties specific to uh, kind of calls to action, if you will, with respect to these next several months leading up to the August vote regarding the threshold and then the November vote regarding uh, the radical ballot initiative. So I'll be encouraging um, shepherds to do four things. Number one, uh, to lead their flock in prayer from the pulpit on Sunday morning when the big crowd is there, to pray specifically for the preborn who are targeted by these groups, to pray for their young moms, to pray for our politicians, to pray for the church, to pray that that this ballot initiative would fail. Secondly, I will encourage uh, and challenge those present to point those in their congregations who have aborted their children to the one who died to forgive them. This really is a gospel issue, Dave. Yep. And responding to abortion is a gospel issue. It's also a gospel opportunity because when the church goes silent, shepherds are communicating one of two things to their congregation. Either abortion is not so bad or the gospel's not so good for Amen, both. <laughs> and so I will be encouraging shepherds to, to lead those in their congregations who've been impacted by previous abortion decisions um, to the gospel, where they can find not only forgiveness for the sin of abortion, but where they can find true healing. Um, God not only promises to forgive us of our sin when we confess that sin, when we place our trust in Christ, but he also promises to put us back together emotionally. And I think that message has not gotten out in the church very well today. So we're going to focus on that. And then the third uh, duty that um, I will encourage and challenge shepherds to um, uh, to pursue is to fortify their flock with the truth about this current ballot initiative. Um, we can count on pro-abortion activists between now and November, by the way, who have uh, pledged to pour $70 million into this effort. We can count on them to bombard our flock with lies. And so um, we're going to really give some very practical tools to shepherds and how they can, in a very simple and yet a very compelling manner, how they can uh, inoculate their flocks against these lies and how they can mobilize them uh, to be a voice and to make their vote count here. And then I'll finally, just, go ahead, I'm, yeah. sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry, go ahead. And then, yeah. So, and then finally, uh, Dave, the fourth challenge that we're putting to shepherds is to help them see their flock uh, or I'm sure I should say to help their flock see their response to abortion and to this anti-child, anti-ballot initiative as a gospel issue, a loving your neighbor as yourself issue. You know, we have moral duties to our fellow image bearers, whether they have been beaten and abandoned in a ditch or denied legal protection and abandoned in the womb. And just to go back to the point that you raised, um, that a lot of pastors and priests, a lot of shepherds fear that speaking out on abortion is a political issue and therefore it's off limits for the church. Um, you know, I, I, I just, one, one of the things we're going to shepherds is that the fundamental duty of government is to protect the weak from the strong. But when the government refuses to do this, the body of Christ must speak and must act. Um, really, this is not ultimately, Dave, an issue of partisanship. Speaking out against the legal destruction of little girls and boys is not an issue of partisanship. It is an issue of leadership. And uh, we, obviously, we're not, we're, of course, we're not to make an idol out of politics. Our salvation is not found in politics or in politicians or in any political party. The Bible's clear about that. 
uh, Psalm 33 tells us, no king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance, and so is a politician. Um, but the reality is, is that we do have a duty as Christians, as salt and light in the culture, we have a duty to use what in, whatever influence God has given us to mitigate evil, to protect the weak and the vulnerable among us. And so we will be encouraging to register their congregations to vote. We'll be encouraging them to train their congregations in knowing how to vote on these kinds of equal ballot initiatives. So okay. in a nutshell, so we'll let, me, let me interrupt there, because just for, for time's sake, if somebody's listening right now, that's stupid, they are listening right now, and they want to bring their pastor to one of these events, where do they find uh, the, uh, the calendar dates? How do they do that, Mike? Because uh, we got some active folks in here. Just I grab a pastor by the by the ears and drag him in. Yeah, no, thanks for that, um, Dave. So, and again, we have several of these on the books right now. Um, the The easiest way for them to find out more about would be to go to our website, which is togetherforlifeohio.org. And the the together for, F-O-R, not the number. So together. Yeah, we got it up on the screen. We got it on the screen right now. Yep. Togetherforlifeohio.org. They can contact us through there. And we will be happy to share that information with them. And uh, they can also go to Ohio Family Fe- Fellowship Action for the event that's scheduled on the 30th in Tip City and find out all those details. I would add real quickly here, Dave, that these events are free. There's no cost for these events. Laura and I, thanks to um, uh, gracious donors, are able to travel throughout the state at no cost. And so these events are free. And um, uh, so, yeah, so, and they're, they're generally open to, to shepherds and their spouses if they are married. Um, also to, to elders and deacons of churches, to church leaders. So yes. um, we can drag yeah. our pastor there, Mike. So say that again, because I, I didn't catch it. Where's the website, Mike? We got yeah, Together the for Life up there. We've got Ohio Family Fellowship up there. What, which is, where do they go, Mike? They go to, to uh, our website is togetherforlifeohio.org. Not that they can one. reach out to us there and um, we'll give them all the details about the events that are coming up. And uh, so, yeah. And if, if they can bring their pastor, they can bring their pastor. Yes. Free. That's right. Free. That's right. And, and the pastor can bring his spouse and um, the deacons and the elders and their spouses are welcomed as well. Okay, Laura, we've stuck you in the closet up there for a while. You wanna, <laughs> and then, then I'm going to let you come in here, Laura. Then I'm going to open it up for questions here, uh, guys. Go ahead, Laura. Sure. Yeah, I think, you know, it's really important for folks, um, especially in Ohio, to understand the, um, the, the radical nature of this um, proposed constitutional amendment. Um, this, this battle here right now, it really is our Gettysburg. This is the fight so that we can continue to fight to protect unborn babies and their mothers. Um, if this passes, it will undo all of Ohio's existing protections for unborn babies and their mothers. It will uh, jeopardize all of our existing um, protections for children um, in the form of parental consent and notification laws. Um, This really is our Bonhoeffer moment as the church. You know, are we going to respond to this issue as the Church of Christ or will we, like the church in Germany, remain silent? Um, you know, we need to raise up these leaders, these men um, who will follow in the foots of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Now, if you're not in Ohio, what I would encourage you to do is a couple of things. First, please pray for us in Ohio. We really could use your prayers. And um, we know that uh, the, the the Church of Christ is not limited to these state lines um, in our country. 
And then I would encourage you to um, inf get informed about what's going on in your state. I think it's important for you to um, figure out what it takes for your state constitution to be amended. Is it a bare majority like it is currently in Ohio? Is it that 50% plus one threshold? Or is it a 60% threshold? That's something that you need to find out and you need to get engaged in what's happening in your state. Because I can guarantee that if you are a more pro-life state, if you do have some existing protections for the unborn, they are going after your state constitution. They want mm -hmm. abortion to be constitutionalized at every level. And this is the easiest most effective way for them to do so. So far, um, we're we're six and zero. Oh. So far, six states have failed to protect lasting constitutional uh, protections for their unborn children and their mothers. And so, um, right now, Ohio's standing in the gap. We're the pivotal mm -hmm. moment here. So, remember when they told us? Does anybody but me remember when the pastors told us, Coach, we can't do anything about it because the Supreme Court has already ruled, and now the Supreme Court has ruled again that there's no constitutional right to kill your baby, and the pulpits are silent. By the way, Laura, when did you graduate from Hillsdale College? 2012. My daughter is a proud Hillsdale graduate, as is her husband, a proud oh. Hill. and she's right at the top of the hill with this great college education, we live on the same property. She's got, she got her own house up there, staying home with her brilliant education, staying home as a homeschool mother of four. And uh, I just, kudos to uh, Hillsdale College. I saw that right there. Okay, I'm going to shut up, Mike. I'm going to shut up, Laura. I'm going to open it up and I'm going to get some questions coming your way, all right? Go ahead, Brett. Come on in here. Morning, Coach. Morning, Fiend. Uh, yeah, mine is not a question, actually, but when uh, Lauren uh pastor since we're going through everything my what came to mind is what would jesus do if if you were out in the street and jesus was with you and he was handed one of these uh petitions to sign what would he do with that petition <laughs> I, well, I think he'd rip it up he'd rip it up and rip teams up that are on there but but brett we have to folks we have to understand this they don't make the petition signing about abortion. They hide the issue. They make it women's rights and all that kind of stuff, right? So, but, but my point is, Coach, he would rip it up. He would tear it up. If there was 50 names on there, those names would be destroyed. Amen. Amen. That's right. What would Jesus do? Dave Allison. Yeah, Laura and Michael, God bless you for your efforts. I'm from Michigan. And I've already, we've already been, this has been perpetrated upon us here. So I'm speaking from what, what happened here. Um, it is frustrating. I do find the church is more pro-abortion than I thought. Uh, and they're pro-abortion with ex exceptions, you know. And uh, But I, a lot of times I think of it like this. I do believe it's more of this. Coach, if you walked into a football game and the scoreboard was already marked that you lost 15 to 14. Um, I kind of think that's what we're up against here, folks. That's just my opinion. And uh, as long as with the electronic devices they have and the potential for manipulation, there's so much money, like you said, the pro-abortion. Uh, so that's why this it's sick to know uh, in all the states. And I, I pray, I will be praying for Ohio, but it's going to take a massive turnout to overcome any kind of shenanigans that, the uh, pro-abortion 
uh, Crowder's already. That's my opinion that they've got they got planned. Thanks, thanks, Dave and Laura and Mike. Just from my my perspective, I want you to know this. My friend Mark Harrington with Created Equal told me twenty some years ago when I got into the battle that the reason we lose is because the left gives money to causes, and Christians give money to the church. And I thought, man, is there ever anything more true than that? Because why? Because politics is the left's religion, folks. It is their religion. They give to their church to advance their religion. Boom. You understand how this game is played. Joe Allen and Lauren. By the way, Mike or uh, Laura, if you want to jump in and answer at any time, otherwise we'll just run down through them. So go ahead, Joe. Yeah. As well as the uh, abortion go issue. Go ahead, Joe. What do you see? What are you seeing out there on the uh, sterilization with this COVID shot with young women and men? Well, that's a diff- that's uh, that's a different issue, Mike. That's that's uh, that's all part of the attack on the seed of this woman. That's uh, that's all part of that. Uh, that's going on for sure, Joe. Lauren. Um, again, I thank you for bringing keep talking about this and not staying quiet. Um, the, this is the other issue that goes along with this because I live in Illinois, the leading murder ca- state capital. We're the capital of murder of all kinds here. Um, is that do not be mistaken because now that they've come into the schools and taken the rights away as parents with your kids, they will start taking 13 year old little girls who be have, you know, magically become pregnant. And they will start taking your children to the abortion clinics to have abortions and be mutilated and be that much more traumatized and quote unquote, not tell your parents. So that will be the form of birth control they will bring and hide in these bills. Yeah, Laura, that's a, that's a good point. You know, this, this constitutional amendment that's being proposed, it, it says that anyone who assists um, an individual in exercising this right um, to make medical decisions having to do with their reproductive organs, which again covers anything from abortion to, um, you know, quote unquote, gender affirming surgery, this, this you know, mutilation, um, that, that anyone who assists an individual in making those decisions and in carrying out those decisions, that they are immune from, um, from any type of prosecution. So, oh. You know, this is going to allow predatory adults to take advantage of um, vulnerable minors um, who are in a crisis pregnancy situation or um, gender confused minors. You know, this mm. I just can't overemphasize how, how dangerous this issue is. A well-regulated militia being necessary for the security of a free state. That's the Second Amendment. A well-regulated, that's what Sheila Holman and I spoke about yesterday, by the way, right? Uh, uh, if we sit back and we think that Jim Jordan is going to save us, folks, you're drunk. Uh, uh, Brett, come on in, Brett. Well, Coach, this is what you've been doing all along, is organizing a team to go out to the streets. And and both of you, I salute what you're doing. We'll be covering your prayers. I'm Ohio Brett, and blessed to have an impact in all 88 counties. So I'll spread the word with you. But I think the call really needs to be to help educate the people in the pews to go two by two to their pastor, then with the group, and then with the whole people to reject the pastors. 
educate those in the pews. If your pastor is for abortion, it's time to remove them. Amen. Amen. Mike, what do you think about that? Well, I, I, there's just no question in our, in my mind that God wants to use the church, that he wants to use shepherds to drive abortion back to hell where it came from. Amen. And there's, we need to put, um, we need to be going to our shepherds that are silent and asking them, pastor, why are we not speaking out on this? We need to put a godly pressure on them. It needs to be done respectfully, but it, it does need to be done firmly. Um, and I do want to say, again, I, I completely share the frustration. In fact, I, you mentioned my book. My book was written as an expose on the silence of the church. So I, I share those frustrations. I really do. But I think we also want to be careful because there are, I think, a, a good number of pastors. I, I don't, only God knows what that percentage is. But there are a good number of shepherds out there who really do care. They want to deal with this. We are, and again, I, I just want to encourage your, your listeners your audience, we are seeing shepherds who are genuinely animated about this. There's no doubt that there's an enormous number of pastors who are, are guilty of dereliction of duty when it comes to this. And, and they will stand before God and give an account for their silence. But I don't want to ignore the fact that, that we, are, we have some reason for hope here. God has not abandoned the church. He's using many shepherds I, for 12 years, I've been speaking to pastors throughout the United States, and I am encouraged by the number of shepherds, particularly here in Ohio in recent months, that Laura and I are seeing throughout this state who are showing up for these events, and they are passionate. So I just want to encourage, um, again, your listeners, all is not lost. I think God is doing work in the church today. But yes, I agree um, with that last statement and question there that we do need to go to our pastors. If we want them to be a voice for the unborn, we may have to be a voice to them about the unborn. And to sit back quietly um, while your pastor remains quiet is really to partner with his silence. So yeah, we definitely want to put pressure on them, but we want to do that prayerfully, respectfully, and in a godly way. A rude awakening before a great awakening. That's what I see. Hey, Laura, I just got to ask this question. Who's watching your kids? I can't imagine my daughter being able to come <laughs> give an hour in the morning without somebody need their shoe tied or their mouth wobbled. Like, yeah, are you in a you in some hermetically sealed uh, cabin someplace? I'm in my bunker and uh <laughs> no hey, um my mom's downstairs with the kids. All right. Thank God for moms. I got a good enough oh, I know. Jeff Klein, come on in and Dale. Coach well God bless Mike for trying to reach pastors. This is just my opinion on this one. As seeing what's going on here in our county of 60,000 people with four schools, not one stinking pastor will show up at the meetings right. for two years. Two years been trying to get these pastors. And these pastors know what we're doing in these school board meetings, and they won't show. Then I witnessed the people getting the signatures on the public square. We've got them on the public square in Mount Vernon, and they'll have 10 or 12 people up there. They got clipboards. Now they're sitting up at the farmer's market every Saturday morning with their table, and there's Five, six, seven hundred people at that farmer's market. And, buddy, they got their table set up sign our petition. So we stood up on the square. They ain't going to get a pastor to help us do anything in our county. So we've stood up there as they're getting petitions. And I've stood there vocally rebuking this petition is killing babies and just 
when people come up to sign that petition, they're kind of scared. They're like, I'm like, do not sign that. You're going to help. Kill okay, so Jeff, here's what you need to do. You need yeah. to contact Mike and Laura and get a, a pastor's meeting going up there in Knox County to try to awaken the pastors. I mean, I know you're already doing all that stuff, but folks, well, we got to gotta be the squeaky wheel. Because we they won't listen to me, so maybe listen to Mike. Well, maybe you can get some, some pastor to head that thing up. Judah or Dale, come on. Pat, this uh, this pastor Dale from uh, New Orleans, Mike, go ahead. Well, hallelujah, Coach. Been in this battle since 1995, brother. You know that. Uh, there are a few of us, so maybe that's a breath of hope. I know there's a lot more in Ohio. Maybe it wasn't discussed and I missed it, but that you guys have this constitutional vote that it's just a simple majority plus one vote over the 50% which is absolutely ludicrous. Even our federal court, that it takes two thirds to ratify anything on this decision. And I don't know if there's something along line that, and that, you know, my heart about this coach, I've always, I've always been, listen, there's no Faustian deals. We do not cut deals. I was never for any, any clauses in constitution. I'm grateful that we're in a state that not only protects the born, it's, it's in our constitution. Another thing to go after when you win, and I believe that, listen, when you win on this, then you want to go after the, the chemical abortifeticide laws and any doctor, that's what we engrafted in the state of Louisiana. The day before the Dobbs Jackson decision was that any doctor who prescribed abortifeticide medicine could face up to 20 years in prison and $200,000 fine. This, because this is where they're going next. It's simply abortion by mail. Amen, amen. Hey, yeah, Spencer, pull up the preamble to the United States Constitution. Because people say, well, there's nothing in the Constitution about pro-life. They said, well, the Declaration of Independence, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, it's right in it. What's preamble say? We, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. Who might that be, folks? Who might our posterity be? The right to life is in the United States Constitution. Judah, come on in. Hey, good stuff. Michael, you know, obviously, uh, thank you for doing what you're doing. Everybody has a calling. Everybody has a ministry. And uh, getting in in front of these pastors is key. You know, we talk about, uh, can you hear me? Yes. Uh, We talk about coach's team. And you know what coach's team is a lot like? They're like uh, the Marine Corps. Marine Corps, but a special division of the Marine Corps, which are called recon Marines. They're like recon Marines for Christ because they go behind enemy lines. And then what they do is they bring out the people who need to be saved. That is a special duty in the, in the United States military is to go in and do the things that are not what everybody else wants to do, but need to be done to save the people. And, um, you know, Michael, being equipped in that arena, you know, Brett talked about it, you know, wherever two are gathered to go in and talk to a pastor. What needs to be done and what needs to be understood is understanding the corruption or the overstating or the infiltration of the churches through the deep state church. This is an education that most don't have. And it's why the pastors sit down. It's because they pay the apostle um, dues into these different churches, which then control them. So their churches aren't even their own churches. Most of them, they have a denomination. Those denominations are now owned by this group. 
who then tells the pastor, who's now a hostage of that church, you're not allowed to say or show up to these events. So when you have two or more gathered, go in person to explain to this pastor, hey, we're here. We love you. We want to share this truth with you. Do you pay a due? And to what organization? And do they control your tongue? Mm. Now, being able to say, hey, brother, if you want to convert into a non-denominational church through the body of Christ, we'll stand with you. But you need to come and educate yourself because none of us are short from wanting to learn more. If we think we know everything, then then we're we're done. But understanding what's happened with this infiltration is absolutely pivotal because this is the war that we're in. They corrupted and took over the church body, the majority of it. And what's happening is his people are waking up now and standing up against this Luciferian control. And so, anyways, what I'm saying is that people have to understand, they have to go in and pinpoint in these churches and ask, and this is why they're standing down. This is why they're passive. This is why these people come out and they, they they won't stand for the truth. They won't stand against abortion. They won't stand against the vaccines. They won't stand. They won't keep their churches open. And you know what? There's a way to do it in love. But you know what? What Coach has taught us is, you know what? You have to have salt. If you're not salty in there, you're not standing for the truth. Then what is holding you back? Because there's a greater day and a greater purpose for you by stepping into your calling. And that's not having an organization control you and tell you what you can and you cannot do. Because the Bible is truthful. It tells you what we can and what we should do to press forward into the kingdom. So uh, anyways, Michael, I applaud you for what you're doing. Thank you for that. Well, I, you know, I think of Peter and John in Acts chapter four, you know, they've been called in before the Sanhedrin and warned not to preach in the name of Christ anymore. And their response is just so beautiful. You know, their response is judge for yourself, whether or not it is right to obey you or God. Mm-hmm. You know, we, whether we're in a denominational setting, and I understand, I, I think you're, you're exactly right. I think in a lot of our denominations, they've They've been held, I liked your word, they've been held hostage by passivity. They've been held hostage by cowards. I think that's largely true. Um, you know, that that response, though, of Peter and John in Acts chapter 4 is should be taught and preached in every Bible college, in every seminary. You know, young budding pastors should be told, if you don't have a spine, you're going into the wrong business. Amen. If, what if, did Martin Luther say? Here I stand, I can do no more. I right? can do no more. That's right. Oh. Yeah, I you know I I'm a big fan of Frederick Douglass, um, I, I the former slave and abolitionist, and he's he just wrote with such a depth of character and and conviction, and he was so eloquent. And he said uh, uh, something that that Laura and I have been sharing with the shepherds throughout Ohio as we've been going and and speaking. And I'll just share this quickly here with your audience. It's just such a beautiful statement. Now he says this about. He's, of course, Frederick, Frederick Douglass is speaking back in 1850-something or 1860-something, and he's speaking about um, the, the issue of slavery. But it, it, it'll be obvious to your, to your audience uh, how this applies to our battle, to the battle for life today. Here's what he said. Quote, it is not light that is needed but fire. It is not the gentle shower but thunder. We need the storm, the whirlwind, and the earthquake. The feeling of the nation must be quickened. The conscience of the nation must be roused. The propriety of the nation must be startled. The hypocrisy of the nation 
must be exposed and its crimes against God and man must be proclaimed and denounced. We need the spirit of Frederick Douglass in our pulpits. Amen. And when, when we really believe the gospel, because this really is, I keep coming back to this, but our response to, to the unborn who are threatened by abortion is really a gospel issue. And when we, when we believe the gospel that we claim to believe, then, then we can go into those dark and scary places with confidence, knowing that, that Christ goes before us. And so, yeah, I, I, I agree that we, we just need shepherds to confront their fears. I have fears. I'm made of the same brittle clay as any other shepherd. Um, but we need to confront our fears. We need to love There's nothing God. wrong with my pastor, Mike, an old football coach. There's nothing wrong with being afraid. There's something very wrong with staying afraid. Right? Yeah, that's that's a good way to say it. Yeah, that's right. So, so we're running out of time here. Laura or Mike, uh, what's the action point? What do you need these folks to do? How can, what do you want us to do? Yeah. Okay, so if you're in Ohio, first things first, you need to be prepared and tell everyone you know, all of your fellow believers um, and your pastor, everyone needs to vote yes in the special election on August 8th. And yes. You need to be prepared to vote no in November. Yes in August, no in November. And then, uh, as we've been saying, we need you to um, visit our website. Um You've got to invite your pastor to one of these events. You know, we're we're not tooting our own horn here. Uh, this is the the position okay, God's so given us. Which website should we send them to? Which website? Yeah. So if if um you are are not um in the area, um uh, remind me again, Mike, where we're going on the thirtieth. Uh, Tips Tip City on the thirtieth. Tip State, City. Okay. Dayton area. Yep. You're in if Columbus you're not, tonight. You're in Columbus tonight. We're in Columbus tonight. Um, if you if you're in Columbus and you want to make a, a last ditch effort to attend tonight, um, you can contact us through our website, togetherforlifeohio.org. Um, if you are around the Tip City area and you'd like to invite your pastor um, to this event on the 30th, then I think the best um, the best website is uh, is Jessica's website, and that's the the Ohio Family. Um, coalition is that correct, Mike? Yeah, Ohio, uh, family. Ohio Family Fellowship. Yeah. Ohio put Family Fellowship. Put, put both of those in the chat for me, Spencer, if if you would. Uh, TogetherForLifeOhio.org and OhioFamilyFellowship.com. And so, yeah. if you're in the Columbus area tonight, they're still they get a hold of you. They could show up with their pastor tonight. Yeah, yeah. And if I could just interject there, um, we don't want to give the address out to this event tonight. Sure. But it is open to anyone. And so if they want to reach out to us, uh, by the way, this is going to be at 7.30 until 9 o'clock tonight. It's um, in Powell, Ohio, uh, okay. so outside of Columbus there. And um, again, reach us at togetherforlifeohio.org. Um, uh, or they can even, if they want to um, email me, um, they can email me at m spencer 515 at yahoo.com and i'll be happy to share those details with them well get a hold of me and i'll connect you to mike sometimes it's just easier for you and i'll connect you to laura mike and laura god god bless you look it's the greatest frustration uh people say my wife says to me can't you talk about anything but the pastors i said no no i can't i can't right israel's watchmen are blind they're all dumb dogs they cannot bark Isaiah 56, 
verse 10, Mike. So God bless you, brother, for what you're doing. Laura, go Hillsdale Chargers. God bless you. Makes me so proud. I ought to connect you to my daughter who would stand in line right right beside you. I love that. If you guys would hang in there with us, we have a little bit of an after show where there'll be more questions. Folks, we can win, but we got to get engaged. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless.